Welcome to episode 94 of Jen and Millie, where a Gen Xer and a millennial share the strength-based perspective through which they view the world. We are your hosts, Allison and Tess. It's been so long. So long. Remind me, last episode, February? First week of February. Yeah, February 3rd, I think. Yeah. A lot can happen in a month-ish. A lot. When I chose uh, my word of the year, I think I thought it was going to represent me being in control of the n- chapters of my life or mm. a new chapter. And it turns out what this season is showing me is that maybe my new chapter is not control. Okay. But the... Um, it feels good. It feels, it feels like I am with confidence, trusting, mm-hmm. releasing control. So it doesn't feel like a, a hippie sort of, I'm just going to float around. It feels like releasing attachment to outcomes. Mm-hmm. I love that. And so I wanted to start our conversation today. Um, and I love that you allow me control here. <laughs> yeah. Um, for the record, yeah, for the record, listeners, I have no idea what we're talking about. Zero. Not even a word, not even a construct, nothing. <laughs> I just realized in this container that you and I have that you give me the reins of, of introducing a topic that intuitively feels right to me. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, but it comes to me. Yeah. Kind of like our words of the year come to us. This this came to me. I would kind of been brewing on it a little bit over the weekend, but then my Simple Abundance reading, as most of our listeners know, I've been reading Sarah Brethnock's Simple Abundance mm-hmm. for 25 years, almost 26. Lauren will be 26 wow. tomorrow. Um, and it always has something different. I've been reading a lot of Young Pueblo, um, but my mornings seem to often have a message that I need to hear. So I've been thinking about my word of the year, and I would like for you to think about your word of the year as I read this. Okay. So, you know, where you are right now, we're, you know, three months-ish in. Mm -hmm. March 21st, Simple Abundance. What is self-confidence? My after 40 face felt far more comfortable than anything I lived with previously. Self-confidence was a powerful beauty potion. I looked better because I felt better. Failure and grief, as well as success and love, had served me well. Finally, I was tapping into that most hard one of youth dues, wisdom. Many women confuse self-esteem with self-confidence. For me, self-esteem is how we feel about ourselves in the sanctuary of our soul. Do we love, accept, and approve of ourselves unconditionally? Do we believe that we're worthy of the love of others and the best that life has to offer? The quality of our self-esteem is deeply connected to the relationship with our first and most important critics, our parents. If they unconditionally loved, accepted, and approved of us, then we probably do too. But self-confidence is a special elixir that spirit has prepared each one of us to face and surmount the challenges of life. It's an aromatic, excuse me, an aromatic blend of invigorating essences, attitude, experience, knowledge, wisdom, optimism, and faith. If we were fortunate enough to grow up in a loving, supportive home and our self-esteem is strong, we learned our own homeopathic formula early. 
But if we did not, then we need to learn how to mix our own custom blend. What's important to realize is that self-confidence is available to all of us. And here's the most important part, Tess. An optimistic attitude is essential to self-confidence. So is learning from our mistakes and recognizing that everything in life can be used as a lesson once we're willing to be taught. Hmm. Okay. So when my grippy control freak self chose chapter as my word of the year, I believed that I was going to, with intention, apply it to what I wanted to apply it to. <laughs> for example, writing, writing for others. Um, you know, the chat, the stories chapter, which I have not done crap with. Um, you know, all these different things that I feel like, oh, I'm going to own this word and I'm going to make it my own. And as we know, our words yep. tend to decide differently. Mm -hmm. And I have in the last, since we talked last, gone through abundant change and learning of things from a lens of, wow, didn't see that coming, not within my control. Mm -hmm. When I think about that related to confidence and optimism and self-confidence, I was thinking about the grippy control demonstrates my strengths out of balance. It um, demonstrates my word out of the year out of balance. balance. Sure. When I lean in and trust and truly use my strengths as superpowers and say to this new chapter, you show me, mm -hmm. I am more likely to be actually confident because the lessons are presenting themselves. And when I was thinking about the tie-in to the parent piece, like that's what we do as parents. Like we try to teach them the things when it's actually the lessons that they receive on their own yeah. that are the teachers. So my elixir of self-confidence did not come from how I grew up. Hmm. It came from the failures, yep. the losses, the abundant examples of you're not in control, the abundant examples of didn't see that coming. <laughs> and what I found myself in the last month was where I used to get pissed off. I have come to a place of, well, let's just turn the page and see what's next. Hmm. And that is wow. self-confidence for me. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's good. That's so good. So I want to, you to think about and try to express your word of the year in that place of when it's in balance mm -hmm. or out of balance, confidently, um, growth mindset-ish. Um, but I thought this episode might be a good reconnect to our words of the year because we are we're a quarter in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is crazy, absolutely crazy. Yes. I got back from spring break last week, so I am well over halfway done with my second semester, close to being done with my first year, which is wow. insane, right? That's insane um, how time works. And um, I, I love this question, and I trust your intuition because it is usually synchronous with mine, even if we haven't talked for six weeks. Um, <laughs> and I've been thinking a lot lately about 
about actually self-confidence and confidence specifically and journaling through the fact that um, I innately have a lot of confidence in myself and that I think partially comes from having high self-assurance. It um, partially comes from my thinking themes that use sources and information and external validations of what I'm thinking, right? Like in in my way, that's like an empirical check that I know what I know because other people believe, you know, can prove the same things. Um, And so, you know, both from external validation as well as just an internal drive, um, I just have... Um, naturally higher confidence I'm realizing more and more than other people Um, and it's something that I am um, you know personally kind of grappling with within my friend group here that you know obviously I go through times where I question the decision to get my PhD because it's a whole lot of time and energy and investment Um, but I think overall I walk away um, with a lot less of those times than other people I'm realizing more and more as I have deeper and more intentional conversations with my friends here um so personally I I journaled about it yesterday actually I'm about about this kind of you know like yeah it's kind of crazy yes there we go and we're back I think in the context of my word of the year it's an interesting question because you know, you said how, you know, how does your word of the year balance? Um, That's the word you used. And my word of the year is kind of balance, right? Like equilibrium came from a place of striking greater balance. And um, similar to you, but not in the exact same way, I think I personally have been trying to um, figure out how it's showing up. I think it hasn't been as prevalent or central as integrity for last year or hope for the year before. Um, Words that I loved and felt called to, but that like literally smacked me in the face all year long. Like it was like the, it was crazy how those words showed up. And, and equilibrium has been more subliminal and more subconscious in its manifestation in my life um, this year. And I, I think back and there've been definitely intentional choices that I've made. Um, I recall one day last week after I had a lunch with a friend and I had a lot of work to get done. So I was planning on going back home and studying for a while. Um, and I walked out of, of that lunch and it was the most beautiful day. And so instead of biking north back to my apartment, I biked down to the National Mall and I actually saw the very first magnolia blooms. Um, cherry blossoms hadn't bloomed at that point. They're just starting to. And But I saw all of the other early blooming trees down by the monuments. And it was such a blissful afternoon and exactly what my heart and my soul needed. And, you know, small moments like that, opportunities that are presenting themselves, I think though what I'm finding is you know equilibrium came to to my heart and to my gut with kind of those ideas in mind right of of when I'm presented with a crossroads I make the choice to to take these moments of being present and um, taking these moments to step away from work and my little Howard bubble to to kind of strike this balance right Um, but it's manifesting itself more and more in a balance within my work rather than a balance between my work and mm. times of non-work. 
um, prioritizing what needs to be prioritized because are we surprised I'm at the point where my life is totally full again <laughs> and I'm not at the the slow rhythm that I started the program with last semester and so I'm having to prioritize um, my schoolwork as well as my work work with my research um, and my fellowship and assistantship but then also all of these other research opportunities that are coming my way, which is really, really great. And I love it. And having equilibrium at the forefront, though, has allowed me to really examine each opportunity to say, is this something I can wholeheartedly respond to? Is this something that is going to continue to keep this intention at the forefront? Um, And is this something that also is the best use of my talents, right? Because there comes a point where part of, I think, part of how self-confidence has manifested for me is in the fact that I've been more discerning about, I say yes to a lot, but I've been more discerning. Even in my last few years in Omaha, I stepped away from the things I said initially an enthusiastic yes to, because as I was in those places, I realized that they are not the best use of my talents. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to serve my church and teammates and my community and my friends in a way that, that presents that that I get to show up as my best possible self and so that allowed me to finally start to say no to things and in the contexts in which I wasn't able to show up maybe I was maybe I could do it maybe I was good at it maybe I was just filling a gap you know when someone wasn't available or wasn't there and I can do that and I can have the energy to say yes to that I know I'm a high energy person and just tend to to take on a lot but um there's been a lot of um you know in terms of my years of waiting well, my year of hope, my year of integrity, all these words of the year, as I look back on the patterns that led me to my year now of equilibrium, it has been a momentum to saying the best yes possible um, in order to show up in the best way in each of those spaces. Um, And I, I feel like I'm so lucky because now in this context, I'm literally in a context where my best possible self is present, right? Like I am in a <laughs> in a learning environment at a university studying and researching. So it's a context in which I already, my best self already is present, right? Mm-hmm. But equilibrium now is having to discern between the even more nuanced definitions of where my best self is going to show up because it's already here because this is my passion and my purpose. And so now I'm having even more difficult choices about what to say yes to. And um, I feel like that's really where it's showing up right now. I feel like we should do a, and this could be a piece of artwork, a linear, um, like a time map, a a timeline of our words of the year. Mm. Because how much they've contributed. Yeah, yeah. So I, what I keep hearing from both of us is choice. And mm-hmm. I think that was my 2014, maybe? Later. 18? 18? Or was it 18? Uh, math is hard. Um, it was 18 or it was 19. I think it was 19 because we talked about it in the new office. 18 was worth? I think 19 so. was. Well, anyway. It, but <laughs> these, how these words bring these lessons. Yeah. So I was jotting down notes as I often do. The choice that, that is so evident to me is, I mean, first of all, you know your best practices. Mm-hmm. That's key. That's a, 
90% of the consulting work and coaching work that I do is reminding people to create their own best practices. Mm -hmm. It is the simplest of simple. Like if you know that at the end of the day, your bookend is to watch five TikToks that make you laugh, do it. <laughs> if you, that's a best practice for you. I mean, I have clients that I coach to walk in and out of their, who work from home in the height of the pandemic, to walk out their door and in their door to like physically have the, yeah, the boundaries of the day. reminder. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, best practice is knowing your best practice, mm-hmm. but also the choice of optimism. And I was thinking about this really heavy duty Sunday because Maria Shriver, uh, you know, I, I bask in her talent. She wrote about a friend had come to her and said, you know, some people just don't choose happiness. Like some people choose to be miserable and pissed off. And mm-hmm. Maria, when she gets a question from a friend, she like mulls on it all week and then it helps her write her column on Sunday. Yeah. And she was talking about like, do people actually do that? on purpose mm. or is it a result of trauma is it a result of not knowing best practices is it a lack of optimism that then prompted me this is how my brain works prompted me to think about the show afterlife mm. have you seen it yet Mm-mm. um ricky i won't say his name right gervais gervais, mm-hmm. gervais, gervais. ricky gervais like his face Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. I had to learn how to say towns in Colorado the same way. Like, Arvada sounds like Nevada. Like, yeah. So, (laughs) Ricky Gervais. In her face. Yep. Yep. He is, he's the star. He also wrote it. It's about this man who, I mean, I'm not giving anything away because you can watch the previews and know about it. His wife dies. And he is just pissed off and he Mm -hmm. believes that he has found the secret to life is I can be an absolute asshole to everyone and no one can do anything about it because I'm already wishing I was dead I don't want to exist anymore he Mm -hmm. has multiple um you know suicidal ideation I mean it's 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 a really tough dialogue but he makes light of it in a way that makes it so much more understandable it's hopelessness that he cannot get out of, so why not just completely lean into it and ruin everybody else's day? And he mm-hmm. does it with fervor and mm-hmm. energy and humor. And it is wow. a really, really good show. It's very funny. I just finished the first season, and I almost want, before I start the next, I almost want to go back and watch it again to catch more nuances. Mm-hmm. I loved it that much. Wow. But it, you know, as you would predict, he comes to places of optimism that are brought by others. Yeah. He learns these lessons along the way. I mean, they're just, Tess, you would love it <clears throat> for a thousand reasons, but I was hesitant about it. I needed a new show. I need something that's like going to get me between now and the next season of Ted Lasso. Like I needed something that <laughs> I have to cry sometimes and I can't get it out. And I need mm-hmm. something that would help me with that, but also leave me not feeling wrecked, but hopeful. And that show does this. And then what you just said about spring blooms. Mm-hmm. And I think about that. All of us exist in a place of seasons where, you know, we come out of, of dark and snow and cold. To, we start noticing those spring moments. I can smell it. 
I'm so mm-hmm. sensory sensitive yeah. that the change, I think that's part of the reason I love the change of the season so much is it honors all my senses. Mm-hmm. I hear the birds, I smell rain, yeah. I feel the change in temperature and it, I get that in my run time. Um, that then made me think of, boy, I'm just like a trajectory today. I'm just like watching a, your connectedness in your mind. I read a beautiful piece um, via On Being, the pa- it's called The Pause, and it comes out each week. And it's usually Krista, but sometimes there's another guy that writes it. But she shared this other writer, damn, I won't be able to think of her name, Christy something, who she interviewed for this week's On Being um, podcast. But she wrote this piece about your eight-year-old self and she had a, this writer had a conversation with another writer. And this writer talks about how she goes and presents and she in classrooms to, to students. And she says, have any of you read Charlotte's Web? You know, and all these hands go in the air. And then she's like, how many of you cried? And all these hands go in the air. And so she was sharing this with another writer friend and her other writer friend said, I read that book over and over and over and over and over as a kid. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about knowing knowing the ending is not good Hmm. knowing that and yet they kept rereading it and she said it wasn't because I didn't know the ending it was because I could face the ending and it was yet so beautiful yeah it's just I'll send it to you Tess so you can link it um okay to our podcast notes but do we have podcast notes Sure. Yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, we've done this so long. Um, It is um, Kate DiCamillo. Close. Christy. Kate. Gosh, when anymore now, when I get, when my emotion gets up here, I can't get around it. My throat chakra is needing a release. Anyway, I was thinking about that piece and how... Like our eight-year-old selves were so much better at this. Like we would wake up with optimism, even if we knew things weren't gonna turn out great. We just went in with like this mystery and twirly sort of dynamic of, what will the world bring to me today? And that to me, to circle back to your words, is wholeheartedness. Hmm. That is wholeheartedness when we know not everything's going to be sunshine rainbowy yeah. and the best yes possible mm-hmm. when we give and gift those when we give someone our time and our energy and our talent or we give someone our heart or we give someone our music playlists when we gift that to someone not knowing how it's going to turn out mm-hmm. And you can name that for any interaction that you have. Simply not knowing mm-hmm. is confidence. Yeah. I so don't then, have a freaking clue. And yet, like, that ties into tremendous joy for me because what I think I should have chosen as my word of the year is mystery. But it's tying into, cha- like, this new chapter is just, it's a mystery. Hmm. But I think I went into it thinking it was going to be a well-written piece of nonfiction that yep. I was in control of. <laughs> Biographies. <laughs> Telling other people's stories. And now it's mystery. Maps, <laughs> maps, encyclopedias. Like, I went into this word of the year thinking, I am in control of what I am going to experience. 
and that is such BS. Like, I knew that. But now I'm like, oh, this chapter is revealing itself to be this grand mystery. And I think the greatest revelation so far is where my confidence lies. Mm-hmm. It's entrusting the universe to show me what's going to happen, and it's allowed me to ungrip. I think if you ask my kids lately about their interactions with me, they're like, oh, weird. She seems lighthearted. She (laughs) seems like she's not going to tell us what to do. It seems like she trusts us. It seems like Mm -hmm. she is leaning in. And I am. Mm -hmm. And that's such a new chapter for me. Yeah. It's liberating. It, it is. I have, and I, <laughs> I'm so bad at the way I tie things together. Also, you know that I listen back to these episodes. I have a real problem not finishing sentences. I know. It's an issue. I know. <laughs> I know you know this. I'm going to say it to the listeners one more time because I listen to other podcasts and they finish sentences. They finish I their sentences. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I'm sorry, listeners. I feel like you know me. I don't know you, all of you, but I feel like you know me because I reveal a lot here. I'm sorry that I do not finish sentences. This week, we have um, a gentleman here called Mountain Wave Weather. He predicts the weather to like a fabulous following. It's kind of like a cult following almost. This guy lives in Castle Rock and my friend Kim saw him at the brewery. She was like, you guys, mountain weather is over there. So I said to Kim, that dude should get t-shirts because I would absolutely rock his merch. I'd be like, I am here for mountain wave weather. He, every single time that he predicts weather, he says, I don't really know if this is gonna work out. I got a model that shows this, and I got a model that shows this, somewhere in the middle, but we just love him. But he gets on and like gives his best guesses, but um. then almost invites you to the mystery. Mm-hmm. In a way that, is confident but not showboaty and we trust him and most of what he's saying is like I don't know and I thought about that I thought oh my gosh like Mm. I feel confident about him saying I don't know yeah and that's what we need more in leaders Mm -hmm. so we need more in humans today is to say I don't know but I I can lean in and I can trust and I can try yeah, like here's the info we are working with, right? But there's a whole lot that we don't know and a whole lot that we will never know, right? I mean, we get that in social science all the time and you understand as a social scientist, it's like in some ways humans are predictable and we can chart patterns and we can look at how they've worked in the past. But in other ways, people make erratic decisions that are illogical, right? And so like, how do we make sense of that right like how do we i'm like i'm dealing with religion and politics and climate change denial right now in my research and so like my whole brain is mapping on to like how all of these things relate together right like how can you like the contradictions right like we live in a series of contradictions right and so they don't always make sense and so they aren't always logical and so we don't always therefore have clarity in terms of what's to come or what might happen be it in the weather or be it how people will respond 
to major events that happen in our world. And I mean, you can see that with what's happening in the Ukraine, right? And the divisiveness of how people are responding there. And the fact that very similar things are happening in the Tigray region of Ethiopia now, and people aren't talking about that, right? And so, I mean, it's just like, it's crazy. And I love the mystery. And you know, I mean, I got it enshrined on myself through my favorite Beatles lyric, right? Like, we don't know all the answers, right? And part of of life is sitting in the fact that we don't know the answers and positioning ourselves in a place of curiosity and inquiry, right, towards how life will unfold. And what I love about where you're at with your word is that you have been so challenged in your assumptions about how it will show up. We both always do, right? That always shows up for us. But you had such a your discipline had such a plan. Your discipline communication blend had a plan for how this was going to show up. And you could have technically still adhered to that plan, and you probably will, right? We're going to see stories probably come out a a lot more than what we've seen so far, right, in this Mm -hmm. first quarter of the year. Um, But what I love is the, the unexpectedness. And instead of, right, being frustrated or disappointed in yourself for not churning out, stories on the timeline that you want which i'm sure you've experienced right you're allowing your place yourself to be in a place of mystery and acceptance of the unknown which is just shifting your demeanor to positivity like coming full circle to optimism right um to a place of of gosh that wasn't what i expected but instead of being disappointed and let down and frustrated by yourself and turning that inwards towards criticism right you're saying okay, what is this showing me and teaching me and revealing to me, right? And and how is this then going to manifest moving forward? Yes. And it was so unexpected. Mm. I, I thought about that too. You know, where I probably beat myself up most is where I've given my heart. Mm. And, and I don't just mean that like in marriage or romantic relationships. I mean that that's how I show up. Yeah, I show up in with work her. and in yeah, I, I'm friendships. That is yep, thousand percent me. That's yep. who I am, and I think where I've beat myself up over, especially the last year, two years, is feeling foolish and stupid. Mm-hmm. Those are the two words I can get really hung up on. I feel foolish. I feel mm-hmm. stupid. I, I should have seen this. I should have known this. I should have, um, I should have made better choices. Where I think a lot of healing has happened for me is that those choices were the right choices Mm. for me. They were the right choices. They may not have turned out the way that I expected, but they were the right choices because the ripple effects of those choices have brought a lot of amazing things. That's good. Um, I have loved witnessing my two kids who have struggled with anxiety in the past lean in and Mm. say, all right, going to give this a go. My my bougie Sunday brunch, living in a studio apartment, daughter is now spending her weekends at the farm. Like these things are just completely unexpected mm. because they let their hearts lead. Wow. And so I'm not going to doubt that about myself anymore. Mm. And if it, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. What's the worst that can happen? I feel like mm. I've already experienced it. Mm-hmm. with heartbreak like what's yeah. the worst that can happen if I let my heart lead again mm-hmm. and I just okay yeah. here we are again I am. but instead of like putting a label 
around your heart makes mistakes. Mm. I, just recently, I'm like, your heart knows the way. Yeah. So maybe not everybody stays on your path, mm. okay? You're still headed in the heart direction that mm -hmm. matters for you. That's good. I and I think eight-year-old me led that way naturally, confidently. Mm -hmm. She was not doubting. What she loved what she loved. Mm -hmm. And um, I will be, I'm 40 years past that self, basically. Mm -hmm. And just returning. I love that. Her. I love that. So, so tell me, given um, the difference between self-esteem and self-confidence that you brought up um, in Simple Abundance, in the Simple Abundance reading, um, tell me about that distinction within you. And I think the fact that I'm curious because a lot of your strengths lend themselves to external, you know, external validation that then supports support self-confidence right your input that looks to sources and information um your empathy that leads on other people's emotions right your woo that feeds on other people's energy um right like social energy and so tell me how in this season right in a very healthy place you keep talking about your gut right like what are you leaning on and where's that confidence coming from and how is it manifesting given the fact that so many of your strengths gain their confidence from external sources to the self. So you're not going to believe this when I say this. I have wondered about taking it again. Okay, we need to stop the <laughs> recording there because that's <laughs> blasphemy. Okay, it is blasphemy and yeah. because I know it's blasphemy. And yep. thank you, Shane Lopez, for reminding me all the time. A lifetime's not enough time. Yep. I have thought about this. I'm just saying I've thought about it. I want to give credit to the fact that a lot of people do because yeah. of the same sort of thing. 100%. I think what I've learned, Tess, is the value of best practices in resting strengths. Mm. I believe that my woo and empathy can so quickly go out of balance yeah. that I have really learned, forced to learn solitude mm. that I had never experienced before. I have literally been surrounded by human beings my entire life until now. Sean and Shanna left on Sunday and I had quiet and I, I was like, I need this, I need this. <laughs> I have gotten used to probably more solitude than uh, being around people. Mm -hmm. I mean, most prior to what I'd say kind of the last year, I mean, unless I was going to a concert, my bubble was pretty darn tight and I, sure. I was working from home and I was by myself most of the time. So I don't, I don't know that I'd ever gotten to practice that. Mm -hmm. So I think my strengths now look healthier and more confident because they actually get to be used as tools instead mm -hmm. of default behavior. I, like I get to turn woo to an 11 yeah. by choice mm -hmm. and I That's know good. what I need to balance it out my empathy has shown me over the years that my boundaries are terrible and I got lots of practice and failed relationships to learn that mm -hmm. but then I'm in this place of solitude forced reflection yeah. that I was like 
okay? If I'm really brutally honest with myself, if you're just brutally honest with yourself, who are you? Yeah. Like, what are your character flaws? What are your, you know, character strengths? Like, really, if you're brutally honest with yourself, top of that list was your boundaries suck, Allison. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you are a people pleaser. You are absolutely, at, you you love attention. Girl, get a, get a handle on it. And once I was brutally honest with myself, but again, forced mm-hmm. in this solitude place, I was like, oh, well, what does this look like in balance? What does this look like if I really use it, use it for good? And so I mm-hmm. think self-esteem has always been an issue for me, um, self-worth. But it's ironic that I got alone and I found a connection to appreciating myself. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that bizarre? It it isn't, actually, when you think about it, right? Because your strengths lend themselves to inundation from all of these external sources, right? And you were put in a position where a lot of those were cut off. You couldn't feed off people's social energy. You couldn't feed off their emotions, right? You were in a place and a condition and a context in life in which a lot of those became disconnected by choice and by circumstance, right? Mm -hmm. So what happened then, Allie, was you were in a context in which you probably for the first time became connected to true self, right? Became connected to authenticity because those voices were, if not silenced, dulled extremely from what they normally have been in your life and so it makes sense that you have a greater appreciation and love and understanding of yourself because when you were you know in a place previously where you had all of these other voices and opinions and information sources you your strengths lent themselves to putting those in a place of priority over what your gut what yourself what your true being stripped of all of those things was trying to tell you right it was like you listened to those voices and the voice of your own self then became so repressed because those became a priority consistently in your life and so it makes sense right that that this is the kind of context in which you have come to a place of understanding and appreciated and appreciating yourself and gaining self-confidence because you were forced into a context in which you didn't have those other voices and it allowed you to tune up your true voice. And now that you know that that's part of how your best self comes out is connection to your own self and your own being, it allows you then to prioritize that voice equally or above the other voices, right? They're still going to be important. They're always going to be important to you because of who you are and how you're wired. And that doesn't mean that anything is wrong or different. You just have a different path to self than other people do right and so i love that it's like you know what frequency to tune into now so you can tune into that frequency right you know the other voices are there right yes equilibrium you know the other voices are there and you can switch channels and gain their input right but you've found the frequency that is yours Mm -hmm. and so it's easier to get to now right you're not searching through you know all of them you know i'm my own dj now what i was thinking about is we talk a lot about a strength themselves, like as it sits alone, being front-facing, forward-facing, or I don't like to say backward-facing, but looking back-facing, mm-hmm. looking... Rear-facing. Mm-hmm. Rear-facing. So I don't like that word either. Okay. So we talk about that a lot. We also talk about uh, strengths being more inward or strengths being more external, internal-external. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
so what I think would be a great question for our listeners is to take the equilibrium approach to their top five mm-hmm. and say, okay, what does this strength look like facing forward? Mm-hmm. What does this strength look like looking back? What does this strength look like externally? What does this strength look like internally? Mm-hmm. Because, and again, thank you, Shane, for reminding me, a lifetime is not enough time to mm-hmm. learn about my top five. These are me. I don't need to take the assessment mm-hmm. again. But sometimes I have to dive deeper into them to see their nuances at a different place yeah. or in a different container. This is a very different container for me mm-hmm. because I am not living with or, wow, I just externally processed something in my yep. brain before it came out my mouth, but I I'm going to let it happen. I saw it on your face. <laughs> wow, I bet. I am not living with nor living for someone else. Wow. Snaps for that. that is a really phenomenal statement mm-hmm. I just made that I'm glad I have recorded that I can yep. hear my own recognition of that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times where I don't feel 47. And so I think, oh, I'm just getting started. <laughs> and then I realize I'm 47. And I wish I'd have had this self-confidence self-worth, self-esteem at a younger me. Yeah. Um, But I don't look back with regret. I look back as just, you know, it's made me who I am and has brought these amazing ripple effects into my life. However, it's at times sad to me that Mm -hmm. it took so long. Mm -hmm. So learn from me. Young pup. I always, um, you don't I have to because it's already internal. You know I this. always learned from you. I love but it. But I think it's just kind of mm-hmm. the epiphanies that come along the way are just so. You. This is what we talk about here. Yeah. This is not rocket science, but it is. Mm-hmm. It's like owning truth and owning the long path yeah. that it takes to get. Mm-hmm. to a place of confidence and a place mm-hmm. of best practices and a place of well-being and a place of equilibrium. Yeah, I love it. I love the the question, too, that you presented about, like, applying. I don't want to say equilibrium. <laughs> I don't want to use my own word in the we question. Can. But applying, you know, applying balance to your theme, looking at your themes holistically. I would say, like, a holistic audit of your themes, right? Um, looking mm-hmm. at how they manifest in every direction, every time orientation, all of the above, um, because it makes me think about my favorite ever strengths activity from Gallup, which is the talent map. And, um, you know, how I love the framework of the four domains of leadership, um, but they're limiting, they're reductive in their definition of the themes. And people Mm -hmm. take those and they stop there, right? And they say, gosh, my woo helps me to influence other people but they don't critically assess the ways in which they can harness that tool to get things done, right? And to build meaningful relationships and to strategically and critically think about the world. And that was liberating for me because my strengths fall into only two domains in my whole top 10. And and so it made me at first really question, I'm like, I have been in a lot of leadership positions. I am a very efficient person. And, but I don't have any influencing themes and I don't have any executing themes. So on paper, 
if I don't take a holistic approach to my strengths, it looks like I think and I can build relationships, but I don't really have the capabilities naturally to influence people or to get things done. And what I love about that exercise, right, is it takes every single one of your strengths, your just has top five on there, but you can do it with your top 10 or whatever you have access to, your dominant themes as you define them. Um, and it, it forces you separately to define how that theme shows up in each of the four domains. And that itself is liberating. That's a holistic yes. assessment of the strengths too, because my context, while a love of history and is how I think in terms of maps and in terms of the past, um, it helps me build really good relationships because I know that people's lives and where they're at, who they are right now, and this has shown up so much in my friends in DC, whom I've only known for a few months and have multiple decades, in most cases, two plus decades of their entire lives before my life intersected with theirs, right? All of that history informs who they are. And I've loved the opportunity to, to get to know people and their histories because that helps me show up as a better friend and build relationships. It also helps me lead and, you know, lead a research project, lead writing a section of a, a journal article that's gonna go out because I can think about all of the important and vital elements of history that have led to whatever the research question is that we're dealing with today. Like what context do people need in order to accurately understand what we're trying to answer through this research? And then it helps me to get things done because I'm constantly thinking about what's been done before and how are you know so in essence right if we assess the forward facing versus not forward facing however you want to name that um <laughs> internal versus external right naturally context would be defined as a not forward facing theme right. and it would be defined as an internal theme but right. in that verbal discussion that i just gave of context in the theme map in the domains you can see how it easily helps me point forward because it gives me a roadmap for where we're going based on where we've been and it easily helps me to be external because it's one of my greatest and one of the things i love most about how i'm wired it, it helps me connect with people because i'm really genuinely curious about where people have been so i love i love that critical assessment of our themes because it breaks it out it breaks our themes out of the reductive definitions that they naturally find themselves in. We have to start somewhere, right? We have to start with some basic universal common definition of our themes in order for it to be a truly universal language of talent like Gallup has designed it to be. But we cannot stop there, right? Because then we end up reducing people to one word, one domain, simplistic terms that don't fully encompass who we are as human beings. I get out my soapbox all day. <laughs> I think that's a perfect ending. Uh, okay. An yeah. unpredicted conversation mm -hmm. that yet made so many connections. Yeah, for sure. For me. For sure. Thank I you. I love that. Thank you. I think um, so when we think about what we want our, our listeners to take away, I'd really love you to grapple with the question that we started with from the simple abundance reading. Uh, a really um, an understanding of what self-confidence is and distinguish that from self-esteem, self-worth, self-image. So what is self-confidence and from where do you derive it at this part, at this time in your life? You could name strengths, you could name the people around you, you could name, you know, roles that you carry, however you um, are experiencing and defining self-confidence. I'm really curious because I think it it shows up and we, we gain that from different uh, different sources all of us do all the time 
Um, so that would be number one. Number two is this holistic audit of your strengths that we've talked about. So take a look at your top five themes, your dominant themes, your top 10, however you want to take this exercise um, and um, really kind of write a holistic definition of it. So if it naturally is forward facing, think about how it's not, it can help you be not forward facing, help you examine the past or be very present. Um, if it is a more of an internal strength, I can think about my intellection, right? I'm going to challenge myself to say, how can I make my intellection a more external um, oriented strength this week. Um, consider doing the team map exercise and I'll, I'll put a photo of that. Um, I'll link that in our show notes as well, where you can break your, each of your top five themes out of its dominant domain, um, to define it in the context of the other three domains as well. So I'm excited to see where people is a, it's very open ended, but I'm very excited to see. I'd love like, maybe someone with higher communication, maybe I'll challenge you to do this, Allie. If you were to write a robust, holistic definition of one of your themes, that's not the two sentence definition from Gallup. I know they have longer paragraph definitions, don't go there. Write your own holistic definition of one of your themes and I'll do the same. How about that? And we start next time. Okay, that'll be our accountability to this assignment. Wonderful, wonderful. Any other parting words for our people, Allie? I think this was a great conversation again, unexpected. Mm -hmm. I miss this container. Yeah, same. I'm, I sometimes am so used to seeing you across uh, Prairie Dog Village that when I am back in Prairie Dog Village and I look across the room, I'm like startled when you're not there. Mm. So I'm so grateful that we still have this space. Yeah, same. Me too. Lovely. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to episode 94 of Jen and Millie. If you enjoyed today's conversation, consider sharing this episode with a friend. To interact with us and share the responses to the questions that we posed, the best way to do that is by giving us a follow on Instagram at Jen and Millie. That's at G-E-N-N-A-N-D-M-I-L-L-I-E. Until next time. <laughs>